Hello everyone and welcome to the Golf Shake podcast, coming to you on the week of the 2019 Solheim Cup at Glen Eagles in the heart of Scotland. My name is Kieran Clark and to take a closer look at this iconic venue, its rich history and mystique, in addition to a wider view of golf in Perthshire as a whole, there is no one better to join me than Ed Hodge, the author of Jewel in the Glen, which was first published in 2013, an engaging and striking book that documents the long history of golf at Glen Eagles through to the Ryder Cup five years ago. So, without further ado, Ed Hodge, welcome to the Golf Shake Podcast. Kieran, delighted to be here. Good to, good to speak to you again. And um, as long as we're not talking about St Johnston, all will be well. Well, I was about to say, this is probably a first in the history of the ancient game of golf having two St. Johnson supporters on a podcast. So that's a particular joy for me, but we will not discuss it more than that. But uh, actually, it's quite a sad indictment on myself that, you know, considering with you being there, with former European 2 CEO Ken Schofield and BBC golf presenter Ailey Barber, I can't even break into the upper echelon of Saints supporters in the golf world, which is very sad. But um, I'm working on that one slowly but surely. But uh, it's good to have you on the podcast, looking at Glen Eagles and many other subjects related to that too. And of course, Ed, you've had a long connection and affiliation with the Glen Eagles Resort itself. You're obviously a spectacular place, somewhere that I think if anyone's ever been there, it's not a place that they will forget anytime soon. Breathtaking scenery, incredible facilities there, free, you know, the spectacular golf courses, some of the very best you'll find anywhere in the British Isles. And in terms of the you know the hotel itself, I mean, it's a, it's a breathtaking place. So you've had a long connection to this area. And growing up in nearby Braco, just a few miles away down the road, uh, just north of Dunblame, you know, growing up with Glen Eagles in your horizon, so to speak, you know, how early was the aura of Glen Eagles embedded within your mind? Well, I think I think you're you're making me feel fairly old, uh, uh, Kieran, as well. Which, which, which is <laughs> I do apologise, <laughs> but but I guess you're right with the uh, the association. Um, yeah, I uh, as you said, grew up in in Braco, the obviously small village just off the, off the A9 there, and uh, you know basically could either kick a ball or, or hit a ball in in the village. So uh, it was mainly kind of striking a ball with a club that that got my attention, particularly with a kind of family history for golf as well, and. Started playing my kind of kind of junior golf at Muthal, a little nine holer about fifteen minutes away, and and then joined the junior section at, at Ochter Arder. Um, now Ochter Arder um, borders um, one of the holes on the PGA Centenary. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, my 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 lifts with school friends through for, through various mum and dads took us past the uh, the Queen's Course. Um, at Glen Eagles because the back road between Braco and Ochter Arder is a, is a lovely little um, B road that sweeps its way up to Glen Eagles and down to Ochter Arder so you would look across to the Queens and, and, and look at this uh, perfect turf and glorious scenery and, and just kind of uh, you know crave a, a game of golf there because it, it just looked absolutely spectacular and then you would obviously see the, the, the Kings from, from other uh, drives as well and at, at that time Glen Eagles did have a, a real mystique um, f- mm-hmm. for me it was a, it was um, I think you could only you had to stay in the hotel t- uh, to play golf there um, or actually be a member so that was kind of um, out of reach as a, as a young boy so as time moved on I actually realised that the, the best opportunity to, to play there was was to get on the staff <laughs> was to get on the staff so <laughs> I, uh, I I was delighted in my kind of late teens to um, 
get a couple of roles in, in the golf office there in the uh, kind of mid mid nineteen nineties at, at that time, and uh, and have really, luckily for me, kept a a relationship with the resort ever ever since that time, and uh, that's been a, a great privilege and um, something I'm pretty pretty proud of as well because uh, it, it's such a wonderful part of the world, and and over the years mm-hmm. over the years has, has hosted so many great golf events. It certainly has, and and some of those great events were, of course, the the great Scottish Opens that they had on the King's Course back in the late 80s and early 90s, and I imagine that you would have attended some of those when you were growing up too. Yeah, again, probably the, the first, you know, major golf event that I'd, I'd, I really uh, attended. I think the the first Bell Scottish Open was, was 1987, so I would have been, um, oh, dare I say it, this is quite worrying to work out this. <gasps> I'd, I'd have been 11, um, and I, did, I distinctly remember kind of parking up at what was then the 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 Jackie Stewart shooting school. Jackie Stewart, uh, Sir Jackie Stewart, I should say, at a at a clay pigeon shooting school at the the top of the uh, resort, um, just just off the 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 B road from from Braco that I talk about. And mm. my my mum actually worked for in that uh, shop there um, for the best part of um, fifteen twenty years. So she has this great claim to fame that Sir Jackie Stewart was our boss for many for many years, and again that obviously sparked um, my interest in going Eagles, given that mum mum was working up there. So we, we used mm-hmm. to park the car up there where mum worked, and then basically walk down the the you know the glorious path uh, and roads down to the kind of first tee at the Kings, and I can still get that uh, memory of my of my golf shoes on the tarmac because on those days it was the kind of you know the steel. The steel spikes, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, which made an incredible racket. But you were so proud of this racket as a young boy to have these uh, these wonderful steel spikes that greenkeepers would now absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that it was it was quite it was quite incredible, really, how that event started to to mushroom from from the late eighties, and and I absolutely loved it. I, I made I kind of planned um, with my parents to make sure that our our summer holidays were never that week in July, so that I was at home mm. for the Bell Scottish Open. And you know, the names were just quite incredible. Uh, looking back, you know, Seve was there every year. Faldo, Lyle, Woosnam, some of the great Americans came over as well, and and some young Americans like a certain you know Phil Mickelson or or the late Payne Stewart. You know, these guys commanded yeah. incredible attention, and it was just a, a a great event to be at. It was the week before the Open. The sun was always shining. Um, for some well, reason, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it tended to be actually incredible, and uh, and there was a, I think there was about a hundred thousand spectators. You know, every year yeah. it was it was just a colossal event. It was probably one of the flagship events on the on the European tour, and um, it ran till ninety four, and it, uh, it it was just absolutely f- fantastic. And yeah, it's probably one probably the greatest memories I have of, of watching golf as a kid growing up. It was just brilliant to be there. Yeah, certainly uh, Glen Eagles and the, the Scottish Open at that time was a, a recipe for inspiration, I think, uh, it's fair to say. And clearly that was something that in, in, ingrained in your own mind. But you're coming into later on in life, obviously, you had a background in sports writing and journalism. And of course, combining that expertise with your clear passion uh, for Glen Eagles, you know, that must have been an attractive project. But what was the spark to finally try and attempt to turn that inspiration into a book? Yeah, well, it was. I've obviously had a, a, a deep passion for writing, um, going way back to my grandfather, who was a, a journalist for about sixty six years. Um, 
so writing was always in the blood, and I, I did English and history at you know at school, and and then onto university. So I think um, with anyone with writing background and and then the journalism background that I had as well for kind of first 10 11 years of my career that you you want to write a book you know everyone says they've got a book in them it's that famous phrase isn't it mm. so I thought personally with my background for the area and and some of the connections that I had uh that there, there lay an opportunity there to to pull a, a book together and, and I kind of felt that it was kind of now or never you know the Ryder Cup is the biggest team event in golf one of the biggest events in sport um and i just thought that if, if i don't do it now then you know this chance is likely not going to come back around again particularly when you think that scotland had only had the rider cut once before and in, in mm-hmm. 73 at muirfield so i kind of came up with a plan as early as like 2009 2010 and then uh used my contacts at, at Glen Eagles and you know a big shout out to Billy Billy Murray who's, who's still at Glen Eagles and, and does a great job he, he really helped drive it over the line for me as well as a project to get Glen Eagles backing and uh, it, it then became quite clear with, with their support that, that it was then a case of I only had x amount of time to get it done so it, it was really a case of particularly in 2012 of, of almost doing a chapter a month and if, if I missed a deadline and you know I knew was I knew I was in trouble so uh it was it was great to, to 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 get there and 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 work on a project which we as we brought out um, you know, pro- probably quite uniquely from a Ryder Cup point of view. We brought it out a year mm-hmm. before the Ryder Cup because it's it's a celebration of golf at Glen Eagles with a Ryder Cup slant. Um, so it wasn't necessarily just a Ryder Cup book. It was it was also about Glen Eagles. So we thought there was a market there a year before the Ryder Cup, and um, it, it proved that way. It certainly did, and uh, you know the history of golf at Glen Eagles goes back you know a century. Uh, like many venues that sprung up in Scotland, it was kind of born born from the the railway at the time when they set up the hotel initially, the Caledonian Railway. And of course, as you say, it's built up in mystique over time. You know the, the hotel there, the great golf courses, the, G- the James Braid designs, and certainly the, the King's Course remains one of the finest inland courses in Britain. And the Queen's have a great soft spot for that. I think it's just one of the most beautiful golf courses I've ever seen. And it's actually just been recently, a couple of holes there have actually been revamped uh, just recently, a couple of the, the par threes. Um, so they're continually improving it. And of course, the PGA Centenary, which was designed indeed by Jack Nicholas, that hosted the Ryder Cup and indeed will host the Solheim Cup as well, is a, a very striking layout that, uh, again, enjoys you know breathtaking views across the Glen, uh, which is one of the most uh, gorgeous uh, parts of the country, certainly. But in putting together a duel in the Glen Ed, obviously you had that great support from Glen Eagles itself. And through that, you worked at trying to source so many interviews with people who were had a connection to the venue or played golf there or had you know hosted events there, all the rest of it. And you had some tremendous names. You're looking through the list right now. You had the likes of Jack Nicholas, of course, who provided the foreword for the book, uh, Gary Player, Lee Trevino, Indeed, the aforementioned Sir Jackie Stewart, uh, Andy Murray and uh, Stephen Hendry, the, the great snooker champion who has a, a residence uh, nearby as well in Glen Eagles. So, but I know it was a challenge um, to track all of them down. And I'm aware that your interview with Trevino, which perhaps illustrates the real glamour of uh, writing a book, you know, that came somewhat unexpectedly and took place in a somewhat unique location. Yeah, I, I became rather obs- obsessed with this list I had, and it, it kept growing and growing because the, the amount of golfers and celebrities and um, 
film stars and politicians and you know the list goes on who are associated with Glen Eagle. So I, ha- I had in the region of about 80, 90 interviews that I eventually did and, and I'm pleased to say managed to get just about every target. Um, but but it took, um, yeah, it did take a lot, a lot of work and Trevino was uh, somebody I, I simply had to speak to. There was no doubting that. You know, he famously said, um, standing on the first tee of the, the Kings in one of the famous pro-celebrity events they had at Glen Eagles in the in the eighties, that um, if heaven is as good as this, I sure hope they, they you know they they save me a tea time. And that that that's <laughs> a, a a quote that has been used, you know, countless times over the years, um, and also part of kind of Glen Eagles' own marketing. And it was obviously something I was aware of, but I really wanted to get to the bottom of the, you know, the the reason why he said it, and obviously the, you know, the background and the date, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a process, like I did with a number of interviews, of of trying to get hold of, you know, the the player's manager, and you know, with various emails and calls. Um, but he he was proving pretty elusive, uh, as you know, professional sportsmen can be. So it, it got to the stage that I'd, I'd almost kind of resigned to my fact, uh, resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to manage to get Trevino, which was going to be quite frustrating. But then, lo and behold, on a on a drive back from the, the Scottish Golf Un- Union office up at uh, St Andrews, where I, where I used to work, um, I, I had an international number came over on the on the phone when I was just kind of between St Andrews and Cooper, and. Uh, and it, <laughs> I, you know, I, I obviously didn't recognise the number. Answered it, and you know, the, the voice was, uh, "Hey, it's uh, it's Lee Trevino here." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I was suddenly caught in the hop, somewhat having chased him for about three months, and then this completely out of the blue. So I, I didn't really want to carry out the interview. Um, obviously, just driving, knew I had to get my dictaphone out the out my uh, bag and, and record the call. So the, the easiest thing, I, I managed to have some some brief chit chat with him on the phone and. Managed to, to pull into uh, Cooper Tesco, uh, the, the car park there, um, but the, the the line wasn't great in the in the car for some reason. So I, I found myself in a slight panic and walked into Tesco and realised that the, the best reception was we seemed to be hanging over the fruit and veg section of the the, the Tesco entrance, <laughs> and uh, spoke. To, spoke Took, took a few strange glances, but ended up speaking to Trevino for some 10, 15 minutes uh, near the fruit and veg section of uh, Tesco Cooper. So, uh, yeah, one of my one of my most most bizarre interviews, but it, it was well worth it because he 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 was fantastic. He you know he came out with phrases like um, you know I'm sitting here in my house and I can you know I can picture that you know that beautiful view up to the first of the uh, the Kings and the, and the vistas mm. across the you know the, the course and and he, he was absolutely gushing with praise he, he loved going to Glen Eels. he had a great relationship with Ian Ian Marchbank the former uh, head professional at Glen Eagles and they, they had many notable uh, games down the years I, I think even one mm. one game uh, Ian Ian putted with a claw hammer and, and Trevino putted with a, a coke bottle and, <laughs> and it <laughs> It, f- it finished all square, I believe. So uh, that was that was a nice tale to get in the book as well. But yeah, Tre- Trevino had has countless stories of of golf and and his career, and and I managed to enjoy a, a few on Glen Eagles as well. 
Indeed, and in a very unique location as well. And I mean, I have to say, the Cooper Tesco is a very fine Tesco as far as Tescos go. So, and hopefully, if someone's listening to this podcast now, we'll have a big plaque added to the fruit and veg section there. Yeah. Immortalizing the great moment when Trevino, a great golf legend, was over on, on the loudspeaker on the phone. So, hopefully, that will be yeah. immortalized in future. Hopefully, um, a, nice, a nice plug for Tesco here as well. So, hopefully, they're, they're that's welcome. It. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, personally, I'm more of a Morrison's guy, but Tesco, you know, Fair enough, you know, so we have equal coverage to everybody. Obviously, there are other supermarket chains available for the interest of full disclosure. But, um, yeah, tremendous stuff. And, again, that's some of the rich insight that you do find in the book, The Jewel and the Glen. And if you're against a real you know, coffee table style design, you're very big and you're very this very striking book, you know, wonderful photographs, you know, I think there's over 160 uh, enclosed within the book. And of course, you know, Glen Eagles is incredibly picturesque. So all the photographs really charting, you know, the, through the decades, you know, tell that story visually, as well as obviously the great words and the great quotes from uh, so many fantastic figures through the years. But obviously Glen Eagles has a great history. And when it hosted the Ryder Cup five years ago, that was obviously a huge event for everybody concerned. And of course, the Solheim Cup will be very similar as well. But one thing with regards to Glen Eagles that people may not be aware of is that the concept in many ways for an international team match against the US, that in some ways originated at the venue back in 1921. Now, can you fill us in with that story, please, Ed? Yeah, it's, it's, there's obviously a long history of of, um, of team combat, so to speak, at Glen Eagles. And, it, you know, the, the Solheim, Cup to, Solheim Cup is a is another chapter in, in, their, in their history. Um, yeah, it goes the the first ever match between Great Britain and American professionals uh, was actually on the on the King's Course way back in in 1921. You know the the first match, and it's regarded as the the precursor to the the uh, the Ryder Cup, which um, officially started in 1927. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I devoted um, an entire chapter to it in, in Jewel in the Glen, and it was it was absolutely fascinating to. Um, you know, to track down the, the history behind it. You know, the the uh, Americans were coming over in, in kind of larger numbers in the in that period, and they were, they were coming over to play the Open Championship uh, that year. And Glen Eagles was host to the the uh, the Glasgow Herald Tournament, um, and it was a it was a you know the the Kings had had only been opened in 1919, but it was already attracting a lot of attention, and Americans wanted to play it as well. So. Um, you know the the crux of the story is that they uh, they, they decided to have a match. That you know the great American players of the day and the great Great Britain players of the day on on the eve of that uh, Glasgow Herald tournament, and uh, they they uh, you know they, they they enjoyed it greatly. It finished nine three to to Great Britain and Ireland. Uh, you know the, James Braid was involved, the course designer of the Kings. Mm-hmm. You know Harry Varden, G H Taylor. You know some great major championships between them and. Uh, like many of us do when we have you know great golfing days, we thought uh, you know hey 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 let's do this again sometime. <laughs> so uh, there was another precursor match uh, uh, down south, nineteen twenty six, and uh, Ryder Cup started nineteen twenty seven. Obviously, with the support of of Samuel Ryder donating a trophy, and uh, the rest incredibly is history. But yeah, Glen Eagles will always will always have that. You know the. The history and heritage of of that precursor match uh, is quite something going going back to nineteen twenty one. 
It certainly is. And again, you know, the Sawhound Cup, as you say, is the latest chapter in that story, you know, almost a century, a century later. And as you say, some of the names involved in that first match back in 1921 were incredible. I mean, the captain of the British team was uh, the reigning Open champion, uh, George Duncan. As you say, you know, Braid, Taylor, Varden, the legends of their day, you know, you know, some of the greatest players of all time, you know, they were a huge part of that side. But the American team had an intriguing makeup. I mean, there were some Scottish-born players in that team as well. As at that time, of course, many of the Scottish professionals emigrated across the Atlantic, and uh, the likes of uh, Jock Hutchison from St Andrews and Fred McLeod from North Berwick, who became very important figures. And indeed, Jock Hutchison won the Open Championship uh, that year back in his hometown of St Andrews. Uh, nearly a century ago. And uh, yeah, it showed you the interesting makeup of the, the two sides of that time and how different an era it was. But that legacy is obviously continuing to this day. And um, and one person who was on that team for Britain was uh, Abe Mitchell, a former Open champion, who some people may not know, but he is actually the golfer on top of the, of the Ryder Cup, the actual trophy. He was uh, Samuel Ryder's uh, personal golf coach. So that's where that little connection comes from there too. But obviously, as you say, the Solheim Cup is uh, the next stage in that long history. And indeed, to read more of these tales and the great long history of Glen Eagles, a century old now, and again, so much around it, all the great celebrity matches and the Scottish Opens and the Ryder Cup and all the build-up to it and this, the development of these courses and indeed the hotel and how that became a, a real emblem for luxury and this, some of the, the finest accommodation in the world and the estate itself is just you know remarkable there's so many different activities available there and the story of that is certainly told in the jewel in the Glen, which remains available in very good bookstores so and, and online so go and check it out and we'll link off to that on the the article affiliated with this uh, podcast on the website as well but of course ed obviously you, you published the book before the Ryder Cup five years ago, which was very timely. And then, of course, you added an extra chapter to that later on in a future edition to you know, tie things up after the, the competition ended, the matches. And we had that Ryder Cup, which was incredibly five years ago now in 2014. You know, Many people will, of course, remember Jamie Donaldson's winning moment, and certainly I do, the, the rather public recriminations within the American team afterwards, which is all good fun, you know, great stuff, and uh, great viewing, great TV. But... Um, but what do you think, looking yeah. back now, five years down the line, what do you think the legacy of that Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles in Perthshire, in the heart of Scotland, was uh, looking back? Yeah, well, as you, as you touched on there, we, um, you know, the the first edition of the book uh, went went very well, and we saw the opportunity when when Europe won the won the Ryder Cup to do a another another edition, uh, which is which has also been selling well since 20, 2014. Because it remains a kind of history of history of Glen Eagles, and it's obviously bookended with that with that Ryder Cup in 2014. Uh, and as you said, it was um, it was a, it was a fascinating week, obviously with with Tom Watson being the American captain um, and his long history with Scotland and and being such a phenomenal golfer. Um, but the European team with under Paul McGinley's charge, uh, uh, you know, it was fairly comfortable in the end. I think America. Threatened to come back on the singles early on the on the Sunday, but the the result was never really in any great doubt. Um, and I, I think when you talk about uh, legacy, it, it's obviously it's obviously a, um, a phenomenal event to look back on. It's incredible. It's actually mm. been five years ago, uh, and and the weather uh, obviously played its part as well. Uh, you know, I, I remember actually getting up that morning, staying with some friends in Ochtarada, and obviously got up crazy o'clock in the morning about four o'clock because. I wanted to be at that first tee because 
it just well, I simply I simply had to be there as mm-hmm. far as I was concerned, and it was actually miserable that morning. It was it was dreadful the weather. Um, but then as as Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson took to the tee, this kind of sun crept above the Oakle Hills and 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 it, made, it more or less stayed dry and pleasant for all three days. So it was it was fantastic. So yeah, going going back to legacy, I I, I think there's no doubt from a Scottish tourism tourism perspective. Um, it did so much for the country in terms of economic value, and uh, you know the increasing tourism over over years, and obviously of, of great benefit mm-hmm. to Glen Eagles as well. But, but you know, personally, you know, going back to our previous discussion about you know growing up at Muthul and, and Octorard, or you know, for me, it's uh, it's trying to ensure a legacy uh, for for these local yeah. golf clubs as well. Uh, and, and trying to get, you know, more kids in at the game, more more girls, more women, um, because to me that's the ultimate the ultimate legacy. And 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 you know, I cer- certainly know that some clubs in the area have have boosted uh, their numbers on the back of the Ryder Cup. Uh, but we know for a fact, um, you know, that you know it's it's a, it's a difficult time for a number of of Scottish golf clubs. So I think. Uh, if the Solheim Cup can have a, a, a positive effect on, on local clubs, then great as well. Because there's uh, there's so many great golf courses in and around the, the Glen Eagles and Perthshire area that you know that demand attention as well. So uh, it, it would be great if, on the back of Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup, that you know these, these clubs get. Um, get a boon from it as it well. It certainly would. So and uh, you mentioned obviously trying to draw in more women and girls. And of course, that's a very topical uh, thought given the Solheim Cup course is coming up here. And uh, this event should be, it's very hotly anticipated. Uh, we have you know, obviously Scotland's very own Katrina Matthew captaining Europe against uh, Julie Inkster's USA, a very strong side going for three in a row. Uh, ticket sales have been going very well beforehand as over 80,000 already snapped up before the event's even begun and the infrastructure there from what I've seen looks absolutely terrific so hopefully it should be a, a great great event and um, of course Ed you know coming at this time and we touched on this actually before recording you know when the spotlight is being shone on women's sport as a whole especially after the, the football world cup that we saw back in the summer in France you know what do you hope you know having the Solheim Cup you know, back in Scotland after a, after quite a long time, uh, what can what do you think this event itself you know, could hopefully achieve in the years ahead? Uh, well, I, I think it's um, it, it's fantastic that it's uh, it's back in Scotland. You know, ninety two Dalmahoy, two thousand at Loch Lomond. So this is the the third time, and hopefully it proves a lucky omen because both those previous events in Scotland were won by the home side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think ultimately. Obviously, want a European win, and and it looks as though there's going to be you know a great attendance, great exposure, you know mil- you know millions across the world will again see Glen Eagles and, and see Scotland. But um, again, well, I shouldn't use the word but, but f- again, from my perspective, it, it would be fantastic to see you know more women and girls in the audience uh, mm-hmm. next week and being inspired by a number of these hugely talented players. And then you know they then perhaps go down to Oxfordshire or, or or Dunning or Muthul or Creef and and decide to pick up a club because uh, ultimately that's what these events can can achieve. You know I I noticed uh, uh, an initiative well, one of the many initiatives that Golf Persia have been running in the last year with the support of the Solheim Cup that um, you know women and girls can play for 
free on a number of nine hole courses in Perthshire yeah. next week. Uh, when, when I think when accompanied by a, a, pay, a paying adult, but mm-hmm. you know, Golf Perthshire and a, and a number of clubs have have been really behind the the Solheim Cup activity over the last twelve months and, and trying to encourage clubs and uh, women and children to get involved. You know, it's it's such a family friendly uh, part part of Scotland, and hopefully more head to head to the fairways and, and be inspired by by what they see next week you know that's uh, it, it should be a fantastic event and and uh hopefully the the europeans maybe with a, a little bit of scottish scottish weather to help <laughs> can, uh, well, can 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 get the job done indeed and you touched on there obviously you know Perthshire itself and golf Perthshire the work that they have done and it has been tremendous and uh, they've done a fantastic job in promoting uh, this region for golf and uh, we'll move on a little bit now talk a a little bit about Perthshire as a whole and of course we both have a, a rich connection to this part of the world I was more of a city boy and you're more of a county lad but looking at the region as a whole which effectively connects the highlands to the lowlands and enjoys really the best of both landscapes. Uh, it's a really underrated destination uh, for golfers. Um, you know, Many people listening, of course, Ed, won't be to Perthshire or know too much about it. Uh, when they think of golf in Scotland, they're probably thinking of St Andrews or Carnoustie or the great coastlines of East Lothian and Ayrshire. But Perthshire offers something a little bit different. So can you quickly describe to us uh, what are some of your favourite golf courses within the county? Yeah, well, I'd, as I say, I'd, I'm I'm just so pleased to have a, have an association with with um, such a rich part of of uh, golfing heritage in Scotland. You know, it's you know the Kings and the Queens and the PJ Centennial are absolutely phenomenal golf courses, and you know the Kings in particular for me is a is a golf course I could play every day of the week mm-hmm. if if I if I, have, if, I if I was allowed. <laughs> uh, that's ultimately my probably my favourite golf course anywhere is is the Kings at Golden Eagles. You know. Going back to Trevino and that that first tee and the views you get, it's uh, yeah. just an absolutely fabulous, uh, fabulous golf course. Uh, but but obviously with a with my uh, with my local hat on from from growing up, then you know Muthal was a, was a, a a great test for for anyone getting into golf, so to speak. Uh, lovely lovely little nine holer with with great views across the Creef. And and Ochterada as well, where I, I played all my junior golf. I had a fantastic junior section, and I know they're still doing great things with their juniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, tree lined parkland, eighteen hole course, uh, pretty tight, um, short yardage, but th- that made it very challenging because I think there's um, well, there's four par threes in the back nine, so trying to play to your handicap was always a challenge. <laughs> uh, to make your score in the front nine, Ochterada, and, and hold on. Because uh, some of those par threes are, are are testing on the back nine, so yeah, Muthal, Ochterada, obviously Glen Eagles. Uh, when I when I've been lucky to have the opportunity to play there, but but going further afield for me, um, again on the nine hole theme because I, I I just love playing nine hole golf. I, I did as a mm-hmm. boy and I continue to do so as an adult. Uh, I'm actually a member of a, a nine hole course just outside Lynlithgow where I where I stay now, uh, uh, Kingsfields. Uh, a great little little nine hole in, in West Lothian, and the, uh, the nine holes for me up in in Perthshire as well that really hold great appeal were like said Comrie and and St Fillins. You know, Comrie, there's it was always so well presented. The the views are incredible, um, but but some of the obstacles at Comrie, you know, you one of the par threes, you're going over kind of crazy rocks and 
you're never quite sure what bounce you're going to get uh, <laughs> here and there, and just really kind of quirky but really playable as well. Um, mm-hmm. And St. Fillins is uh, another one. You know, Sandy Lyle's actually got an attachment to St. Fillins, and yeah. he he talks it up a lot. And again, the views up there on the banks of Loch Erne Head are are just uh, incredible. So. Um, you know, it's, it's absolutely plentiful across uh, Perthshire. You know, Blair, Blair Gowrie Championship venues as well, with the, with the Rosemount and the Lansdowne, almost like a, a kind of mini Glen Eagles up at Blair Gowrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creef Golf Club, but you know, just just the list goes the list goes on and on in Perthshire. The uh, incredible amount of golf on offer. Oh, there certainly is, and uh, there's a great variety as well. And you touched on some of the nine-hole courses there, and I too spent time growing up playing a lot of golf at Mewful, so it has a, a place in my heart as well. And you touched on, you know, Blair Gary, which is a, you know, it's a you could, that venue as a whole could really you can imagine it being one of the great Heathland classics of England. And uh, people who have who know golf courses like that, whether it be Walton Heath and the Woodhall Spa and so on, they will find great affinity with Blair Gowrie. That's a great, great place to go and play golf. Uh, the other half of Perth are closer towards the, the Angus side of things. Uh, but you also have, I touched on there, the great variety in terms of landscapes. And obviously you have at Glen Eagles, you're overlooking the, the Oakle Hills and the lovely glens and all the rest of it. But further north in Persia, you have Highland Persia, which is, for me, one of the most spectacular, breathtaking places in the country. And up there you have golf courses like Pitlochry and Dunkeldon Burnham, uh, which are just scenic beyond belief and great fun to go and play. Um, so, you know, and even away from the golf as well, Ed, you know, there's so much to go and see and do in, in Persia, so many great outdoor activities it's a great retreat for anyone to go and go to you know incredible scenery tranquility you know there's an awful lot there so if someone came to you ed and said you know should i go to play golf and have a stay and play break in in perthshire you know how would you sell that opportunity to them yeah well you've got obviously you touched on it there there's plentiful opportunities for for golf and and beyond you know i can think of canoeing and kayaking I've done in, in Highland Perthshire and you've even got you know Perth as a as a you know quite a large you know town stroke city as well that you stroke would, city um, that's controversial it's a city yeah, well I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I can never quite under see it as a city but you're, you're, you're right it, it is a it is a city but I think Dunblane's a city as well is it not because it has a cathedral well that's kind of the old-fashioned way of determining <laughs> it yeah the, old per- Perth was, you know, the best thing about Perth though is Perth lost its city status but kept the signs up despite that which is great for years I had the city of Perth that wasn't actually a city until it was a we regained that status back in 2012 but it's uh, certainly a great place um, to base yourself and obviously a place I personally lived in for many years and there are actually some fascinating golf courses around there too you have uh, King James VI which is uh, rather oddly um, on an island in the River Tay and the only way to get there is by walking across a railway bridge which is uh, unique and distinctive and it's a a Tom Morris Parkland design course I was a member of for for quite a few years and uh, you also have North Inch in Perth as well which uh, somewhat suspiciously claimed to be the oldest golf course in the world which of course isn't strictly true but it certainly is true to say that golf has been played in Perth and on that on that ground for arguably as long as anywhere else so Perth has a great history in golf along with obviously the likes of North Berwick and St Andrews and uh, the Leaf Links in Edinburgh as well so they'll have that great historical connection there too but no Perth's a good place to to base yourself and and going to explore these other areas Murray's Hall just outside the town in Scone uh, it's a very popular stay and play break um, with golfers and uh, two courses there and again lovely scenery and great hospitality 
But uh, you also touched on earlier about the it being a great environment uh, for families. And it seems to me that as a, as a destination, what makes Perthshire very unique and very special is that flexibility. You can go there as a group, as a family, as a couple. Would that be something that you would say is a, a great strength of the golf in the area? Yeah, absolutely, because there's the golf is plentiful and, and, and a lot of the towns and villages uh, around it have, have have golf courses. I actually used to get frustrated growing up in Braco that I realised it was one of the few towns or villages that didn't have a golf course. And it meant I had to kind of, you know, ask for a lift from my parents to, you know, to get up to Muthal or across to Oxterarder uh whenever possible and, you know, called them after I'd played thirty six holes to get to get to get picked up later. But yeah, the, I, th- I think the strength is in in the offering uh, of the golf, but also of the various accommodation providers and the, the activities. Some of which you mentioned there. You know that there are you know some wonderful places to stay. Obviously, Glen Eagles is is at the top of the tree and, and has really put a more of a family friendly focus on in, in in recent years as well. And all the different things you can do beyond golf at Glen Eagles as well, which are plentiful. Uh, you've got Creef Hydro as well, which is a, a great base for families as well. Uh, Murray's Hall, you mentioned, uh, just outside Perth, and you know there's just so many, you know, kind of quirky places you can stay as well, and you know, kind of quaint little bed and breakfasts, and uh, a, a place I've been to with my family as well is, is up at Kenmore, uh, which has also got a, a nine holer. Mm-hmm. You, you probably notice a, a theme here that anywhere I go to has to have a kind of <laughs> nine, ho- nine hole golf course in the vicinity because my, my my children have certainly spotted that theme. Uh, and Kenmore is just is just glorious with the you know the view down Loch Tay there and so many different things you can do as a as a family there as well with you know the the history. There's a museum on site there as well. Uh, the you know the Cranog Museum. It, it's it's quite uh, it's quite an impressive place and. The, the options across uh, Perthshire to to stay and play are, are, are definitely significant and, and Golf Perthshire have been doing a great job to promote No, they it. certainly have and it's, I would certainly encourage everybody to go and check out uh, the Golf Perthshire website because there's a lot of great information there, you know, great packages and again promoting many of those stay and play breaks and obviously all the golf courses too and you do see all the wonderful golf courses where they have nine holes or indeed 18 holes, there's plenty of them there. <laughs> But the one good thing about a nine-hole course is you can't have the back nine collapse if there is no back nine. So that's my one positive about it. So, well, my collapse, my collapse tends to start quite early now, around about the fourth or fifth. Oh, is yeah. the, the problem now in, the, in a nine-hole medal? There's no, there's no so, time to come back then. It's, so that's it. So. No, it's 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 a lack of golf. So I need to uh, all these courses that we're actually talking about is actually wetting yeah. my appetite to get myself back up to a, a Comrie or a St. Fillings or even Octorada. I haven't played for a while. Exactly. So. Uh, go and check them off has, has to be done soon it definitely. does and uh, hopefully listening to this podcast people will also be feeling equally inspired but just to kind of round this back to the the previous previous discussion to tie things up you know for you Ed you know, when you have events like the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup you know very close to where you grew up at a venue that you've been so ingrained with for a very long time you know how significant personally is that for you to watch well, it's, it's quite incredible Incredible, really, when you when you think about it. Uh, you know, Glen Eagles is actually going to be the first European venue to have the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup, uh, mm-hmm. which which is an incredible feather in their cap. And yeah, and as you say, having grown up ten minutes away, that in, in golfing terms, that's you know, it, it doesn't get much bigger than that for for the for the hosting of of major events. You know, the Glen Eagles have 
have built on their their Bell Scottish Open years, um, some of the leading women events that they had as well. You know, the McDonald's WPGA Championship uh, was on the Kings, which I think Katrina Matthew won it uh, in 1998. Um, Mm But then the, the building of the what was initially the Monarchs course when, when Jack Nicholas uh, designed it and then became the PGA Centenary when it was renamed, you know, they, they Glen Eagle realized they had to have a, a you know, a, a bigger golf course, one that had more space for infrastructure and the huge tented villages that, that need to go hand in hand with major golf events nowadays. Uh, and also a course that uh, was perfect for spectators for viewing. You know, the, the Kings obviously is and, you know, still is. Uh, but but the PGA Centenary gives a, a bigger stretch of land and and it's yeah from a personal point of view it, it, it's just pretty amazing to think that 2014 and 2019 are, are huge years for for golf in Scotland and and personally for for Glen Eagles and for Perthshire because you know I'm going to take my son up on you know to to one of the days for the Solheim and and, and let him and enjoy it as well because. Going back to what we said previously, if if, if these events help attract um, more children in, into golf, then great. And ho- hopefully, he's inspired. You know, he he enjoys hitting hitting the ball, and, and hopefully, it inspires him to play a bit more by by going and attending uh, uh, over the event over the the course of the coming days. No, no, it certainly does, and I uh, see it's a great feather in their cap to have the event here again. And I mean, as you say, it's a recipe for inspiration. You have a great venue, spectacular. It'll look great on television. And um, I say it's it's a place that if you go there and visit Glen Eagles, it's somewhere you will not forget anytime soon. It is an unforgettable place, and uh, Perthshire as a whole is somewhere that I am very proud in my life to be associated with. And I know you are too, Ed. And it's been fun to actually sit down and actually. Just talk about it with a mutual interest, someone there who can actually understand what we're saying. So it's been a real joy, Ed, to have you on the podcast uh, today. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, for everyone listening, um, as I say, Jill and the Glen, which I'm sure, Ed, a new addition is due, surely, after the Solheim Cup. I mean, come on. Oh, well. <laughs> put you on the spot here. Put the, you on the spot, uh, so come on. No, the, it's, it's great that the... Uh... We're still talking about it because, as I say, 2013 was the first edition we brought out, and then a, a new edition on the back of the Ryder Cup. And yeah, there's still there's still a few copies uh, around of the new edition, uh, so it's it's great to still be talking about it. Uh, but nah, no, no, my my children have taken up a lot of my time in the last uh, few years, but I I'm keen to do a, a another book at some point. But the the idea has to be right, and the the timing also has to be right. So uh, yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward with, uh, with bated breath then for the next Ed Hodge book. But yes, yeah, as, as you say, Jill and the Glen is still available online and in shops. And of course, if you are intrigued, listen to the podcast, uh, buy the, the idea of a golf break to Perthshire. We'll have a written feature on the site on Golf Street to accompany this podcast. And of course, as I say, do check out the Golf Perthshire website. You know, a lot of great information there uh, to direct you to the right break for you. And we'll also have links to that on Golf Shake. So, as always on Golf Shake, we want you to play more and play better. My name is Kieran Clark, alongside, uh, very grateful today, today, Ed Hodge. Until next time, thank you all for listening.